I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 46, in which we learn something. I am recording this on Saturday, April, I think it's the 23rd, 2011, um, and I know I had said I was going to get something out earlier this week, however, when I made that promise, I had neglected to look at my calendar. Apparently, that was, as Mary Poppins says, a pie crust promise, easily made, easily broken. Um, unfortunately, I, I didn't get home from our weekend away until... Uh, Sunday night, I think it was around 10 o'clock or so when we got home, I was completely wiped and had to go straight back to work um, Monday. And then I had a conference call Monday night. I had a meeting Tuesday night. And by Wednesday, I was fried. <laughs> I was just had not had any time to really recover. So, um, you know, at that point, I'm, I'm actually still not unpacked. I need to take care of that because I just haven't really been around. Um, so I didn't get a podcast episode out, for which I apologize. Uh, the good news is, on the, on the flip side, the good news for me anyway, is that um, although I didn't really have time to get out a podcast episode, I did make sure I was getting to the gym regularly. And that's usually the first thing that um, in my past, the gym was the first thing to go when I got busy. And I'm really trying to change that habit this year. So I did manage to get to the gym. I just simply didn't get a podcast episode out, nor did I actually get any time to sew. Um, And again, in the past, you know, when I would look at my day, I would look at, you know, where would I have some time to fit in some sewing? And I'm trying to reverse that now and look at where will I have time to fit in some exercise and then, you know, doing the sewing later. So that's been fantastic for my health. Not so great for my productivity, but I think I can live with that. Um, I do have a fun announcement to make. We had reached the deadline for the um, podcast anniversary giveaway. And congratulations, drumroll please. The winner was Velvetina. And I've already contacted her, her and I've gotten her address. And um, Velvetina, your prize winnings... I shouldn't say that. That sounds vaguely financial. Your your fabric goodness is in the mail. I got it to the post office this morning, and I believe they said you'd get it by Tuesday. So, you know, if you listen to this podcast before that, you've got something to look forward to. Um, thank you, everybody, for leaving your comments. It was an absolutely fantastic response. Um, I haven't gotten so much of a response to a past giveaway, so it was so much fun to see all the comments coming in. And as I had said, I'm going to be sharing with you some of those comments today. Unfortunately, because of the sheer volume of them, I can't share all of them. And I actually don't have a lot of time today to even be putting out a podcast episode, so I'm going to have to truncate it a bit. Um, but I will be sharing some of those responses with you on the episode today. Uh, if I don't share your response, please don't take it personally. Um, just trying to figure out how much I could fit in one podcast episode. So in any case, uh, there was one a couple of comments back and forth um, on a particular topic not related to the podcast anniversary giveaway that I thought I would mention. Um, some of my older episodes are no longer available through iTunes because of bandwidth issues um, with Podbean you only get so much bandwidth and and I've actually subscribed. I do pay for my Podbean account and I've actually paid for a slightly larger Podbean account, but you still only get so much bandwidth. You know, there's, there's only so much bandwidth to be had in the world. 
surprisingly enough. And so there's always going to be limits to it. And unfortunately, the more episodes you have available, um, the longer those episodes are, the couple of video episodes I've thrown up there on occasion, and, uh, you know, the, the people who are downloading them, that all, that equation adds up to your bandwidth. So um, the way you manage your bandwidth on Podbean, and actually any um, podcast hosting site does the same thing, is you archive older podcasts. What that means is they're no longer available through iTunes, but they are available on my direct website. So if you go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com, you can download all of the older episodes there, even though they're not on iTunes. Um, you know, at some point, maybe I'll go through and, and look at my Podbean account and see if I upgrade again, whether I could make them all available on iTunes. But um, frankly, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to do this as cost-effectively as possible since I'm not making any money off of it. Um, I just do it from the for the love of quilting. So that probably won't happen anytime soon. So if you're looking for some of the older podcasts, uh, just go straight to quiltingfortherestofus.com and you can find them there. Um, just a, a quick update about what my life has been this week. Um, it's not particularly exciting. Thursday, I had off from work. That was one of the five furlough days we have this year in our organization, No Work, No Pay. I think I'd mentioned this in my last episode. Um, And so my goal, one of my 2011 uh, quilt resolutions was to spend each one of those days as a kind of a mini quilt retreat for myself and just spend it sewing. I've had two of them since I made that goal, and I'm not doing so well (laughs) so far. I always do something quilty-related on those days, uh, but they haven't been quite the day-long sewing extravaganza that I've really wanted them to be, because unfortunately, you know, what tends to happen is when you know you've got a day off coming up, you tend to put off errands and things like that until that day. Um... Although I will also say because I was so exhausted by the time, you know, by the time Thursday morning rolled around, I actually slept in quite a bit, which was really nice to do. But I was also a little irritated when I saw what time it was when I woke up because, you know, I was like, man, I had so much I wanted to get done today. Um, So I kind of ended up, I realized that meant I was just exhausted and I just needed to catch up with myself. So I sort of spent the morning poking around on some quilty blogs. And also, (laughs) I've got a bone to pick with Jay, and she knows it. Um, She has gotten me involved on a website called Goodreads, G-O-O-D-R-E-A-D-S, and it's just goodreads.com. And that's one of these... um, kind of book review type sites where you go in and you set up your own bookshelf and you list what books you've read, what books you want to read. Um, You can put post reviews of books, you can follow each other's uh, reviews and all that kind of thing. And um, Jay is very active on Goodreads and she does fantastic book reviews. Thank you, Jay. Um, Love them. And so I actually spent quite a bit of the morning reading her dang book reviews um, and lost some sewing time because of it and ended up ordering some books. (laughs) She I told her, I emailed her and told her she was very good at spending my money for me. Thank you very much. Um, but in any case, I, I would encourage others of you to get on Goodreads because um, you you need to read Jay's, <laughs> you need to read her book reviews as well, although she does post hers to her blog too. Um, and so I have also started posting some book reviews as well. Once in a while, I, I think I've got like five reviews up there now, um, mostly of quilty books and not entirely one is a fiction book. And sometimes I will post them to my blog. I probably won't post every one, um, just because at this point I'm trying to catch up and trying to post a lot of reviews of books I've owned for a while and that kind of thing. So I may not throw every one of them onto a blog, onto my blog, but some of them I will. 
I did throw one of them onto my blog. I did my review of um, Carrie Nelson's Schnibbles book. I did put onto my blog and got some comments on it. Thank you very much. Um, so anyway, that was kind of how I spent the morning uh, Thursday, just trying to wake up, drinking as much ca- uh, caffeine as I could possibly get down me, and just slowly allowing myself to come back to life. And it was actually very helpful that I'd done that. You know, we all kind of get this point where we're just running, 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 and you need to just stop for a bit. And that was apparently my day. Um, I did also run to my local library. I had to bring back the books, the ones that I'd done a review on a few episodes back. I had to bring those back. Um, But I'd also won a couple of things at the silent auction. Our library, once a year, maybe twice a year? I I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how often they do it. But they do a big silent auction, and a lot of local businesses um, put in things, you know, that you can bid on. And so I always try to bid on some things. And um, my... (laughs) Our friend Kate, not my BFFBQF Kate, but librarian Kate that I've mentioned before from my guild, uh, always put some quilted items in the the silent auction. And for the last two times I've entered the auction, I've bid on her stuff, and both times I won them. <laughs> so, so I told her I was absolutely not going to bid on her items this year. I was going to let somebody else win them. Um, so I bid on several other things, and I won two items. And fortunately, they were the two things I really, really wanted most. They were gift certificates from two different pet grooming salons. And I've got two dogs, so I can now take one dog to each place. Um, one is a place I've actually taken my dogs to before. The other is a new place, so it'll be interesting to kind of compare them and, and see which ones my dogs want to might want to continue attending in their future. Uh, and then my daughter wanted to go to Target, so I took her to Target. So that was pretty much what I spent Thursday doing. So really my only quilt related stuff was reading Jay's quilt book reviews um, and spending some money on my own and um, and writing a couple of my own quilt book reviews as well, which is always fun because it kind of gets you back into books that you have had on your shelf and hadn't spent a lot of time with before. So that was a good day, but not a very productive day. Uh, and then that night we actually left um, my husband and daughter and I left Thursday evening to drive halfway to my daughter's college-to-be because Friday was um, an open house for admitted students. And Friday, fortunately, the weather was gorgeous. It was in the probably high 50s, low 60s, which for around here is perfect spring weather. It was beautifully sunny. Um, Just, you know, what better day to walk around a really pretty college campus than that? And man, this place knew how to put on an open house. I got to tell you, it was incredible. It was extremely well organized, extremely well managed. There were a lot of us there. Um, They said it was one of the biggest open houses they'd had. I can't tell you, I'm not really that good at guessing numbers. I'd say there were maybe 200 or so, maybe higher than that you know, between the admitted students and and their parents and family members, you know, some people had only come with one parent, some like my daughter came with two, others um, had various and other family members there, siblings, grandparents, you know, all sorts, it was like a family day kind of thing. Um, but we got there, they did like a little kind of a continental breakfast kind of thing, which was actually really good food out. I was kind of sorry we had already eaten breakfast at our hotel. Um, and then uh, some opening remarks, and then they split off the parents and the kids, and the kids went to um, actual classes. They had set up certain classes that the kids could choose ahead of time, which ones they wanted to go to, and my daughter went to an anthropology class, because that's what she's thinking about doing. And from what she said, I think she said that there were about 20 
kids all together in her class. Um, so they talked them through not only, you know, this is, they actually did a little bit of an anthropology class, but then, you know, talked to them a little bit more about uh, the first year program and, and some other things, you know, orientation type things. And then the parents at the same time went to a class um, that was one of their mock first year program classes. And, and that's one of the things we loved about the schools, this whole first year program. It's their way of um, orienting, you know, freshmen into the class. It's a fantastic opportunity for them. Um, so we kind of got a little mock class as well. And um, it was really good because even though we've been now on the campus a couple of different times, and obviously, you know, we've read about it, saw a lot of statistics, already had gotten the tour, kind of knew a lot of this, there were still things that they covered Friday that we, you know, didn't know just helped added to our, um, actually, frankly, added to our excitement about our daughter going there. You know, it was just a nice day. They had a wonderful lunch. It was incredible. And, you know, I would say, yeah, they were definitely kicking it up a notch for the parents, because even though you've been admitted, a lot of the parents there, you know, a lot of the kids hadn't made a decision yet, so that they're still selling you. Um, you know, I would say probably about half of the people we talked to when we were there, they had already made the decision, like our daughter, you know, this, as soon as she got accepted there, there was no decision to be made, that was where she was going. There were several other parents that we talked to that were in the same position, but a lot of other ones were like, no, you know, we've gotten accepted to two or three different places, we're still kind of weighing the possibilities. So clearly, you know, the college was still in marketing mode, but man, they knew how to market. <laughs> they really knew what they were doing. The, the lunch was fantastic. Um, Although all the students that were on the different panels and stuff just volunteered that they all liked the food at the college too. They all spoke very highly of it, which is pretty unusual for a college. So, you know, I I don't have any concerns about that. Not that I ever, you know, food at a college, you know, that doesn't really factor into my decision-making process either. But anyway, uh, and we, you know, did the tour and everything and it was just... You know, I was commenting to my husband as we left that it was so nice having that decision made, you know, because we were still watching some of the other parents so stressed out because they only have a week left um, for this particular college. They only have a week left to make the decision, you know, to get into this entering class. And uh, so they were still really stressed about trying to figure this all out. And we were just there having a grand old time because we knew, you know, this is where our daughter was going to be. And it was also so nice because we're just so completely confident this is the perfect fit for her. So, you know, it was just a really nice day. Um, my daughter was all sort of, you know, starry-eyed <laughs> during the day. She's looking forward to going too, although she's also scared. Um, you know, she keeps saying she's not quite ready to go to college yet, but she's also really excited about it. So it's it's kind of fun going through that process. So that was Friday. We didn't get home until Friday night, you know, around 8.39 and then today, again, I had had in my head that I'd be able to spend a lot of time sewing. And of course, again, it ended up not being the case. I had to get groceries. It had been a while. and <laughs> We were really scraping bottom. So it was a big, big grocery trip. Um, plus, we're having my sister and her um, husband and two daughters over for Easter dinner tomorrow. So I had to, you know, get extra um, groceries for a nice dinner. And I did get to the gym again. Yay for me. Then um, my sister's birthday is on Monday, and although when we invited him over for Easter, I hadn't really thought about the fact that it was the day before her birthday. It wasn't until a couple of days ago I put the calendar together in my head, and I was like, oh, it's going to be her birthday the next day. So I ended up making her a birthday cake today, which <laughs> is, um, I, you know, 
family legend has it that this is her favorite cake. I'm going to ask her tomorrow, is it really still her favorite cake? Or do we all just keep making her eat it every year on her birthday? Because we all remember it as being her favorite cake from when we were kids. It's uh, called Icebox Pudding, at least here in Western New York. That's what it's called. And it's the it's the kind of cake that's just those thin chocolate wafer cookies with Cool Whip, you know, and you just sort of sandwich them all together. And then you cover the whole thing with Cool Whip. And then you let it sit in your fridge overnight. So it all kind of coagulates. <laughs> that's not a good word for a cake. Um, you know, it just kind of it, it gets mushy, basically, is what it does. It kind of becomes more of a cake. Um, actually, not my favorite. Even as a kid, I liked it as a kid better than I do now, I think. But um, even as a kid, it wasn't my favorite cake. It was never my birthday choice. Um, but my sister always loved it. And every year for her birthday, ever since, we've always done it for her birthday. Um, I hope she still actually likes it. So anyway, not a hard cake to make, just pokey. It probably took another 45 minutes or so out of my day to to get that done. Um, And then also I ran to Joanne's to buy her some yarn because, yes, Frances, my sister, is a knitter or crocheter. I'm not sure if she actually knits so much. She's tried a few times and she did take my mother's knitting needles, but I'm not sure if that's really her big thing. Uh, But she does crochet. So I went to Joanne's to buy her some yarn as a, a gift. And not being a knitter or crocheter myself, I didn't really know what to even look for other than pretty and soft. So I found some really wonderful um, bamboo blend yarn. I can't remember the brand name, sorry, It's but it was named Spa. And uh, it was really soft and silky, um, more for crochet than knitting, I think because it's a thinner yarn. But again, I don't know much about yarn. But anyway, it was very pretty. So I bought her several skeins of that um, as her gift. And I said to the, the woman at uh, the checkout clerk, um, she said something about the yarn. I said, well, I'm not, you know, a knitter or crocheter. This is a gift from my sister. I said, I don't, I don't even know how much to buy somebody that they might be able to make a project out of. But I said, on the other hand, I'm a quilt maker and I never expect anybody to buy me all the fabric I would need for a quilt if they give me fabric as a gift. They're just going to give me, you know, two, three pieces of fabric that I'm going to like. And so I have to, I'm kind of looking at this the same way. I may not have bought her enough to make an entire Afghan, but, um, you know, she's got some to play with. So that was kind of fun. But again, you know, all of that being said, pretty much wiped out my day. It wasn't until about 4.30 or so that I finally sat down on my sewing machine. And I didn't get as much done as I'd hoped. But partly, I just kind of kept mentally thinking through what I needed to get done tomorrow. And I wasn't really focused on what I was doing and couldn't quite find that quilting zen <laughs> I was looking for. So um, I got some more pinwheels. Uh, I didn't get the blocks made. I got the components about halfway done. Um, they're all sewn. I just haven't trimmed them and pressed them and squared them up. And that's going to be another big piece. Um, but I'm not entirely sure how long my sister and family are going to stay tomorrow. So I might end up with some time tomorrow night. Not sure. Um, if that doesn't happen, then I do have Monday off again, which is the nice thing about working for a religious organization. We get both Friday and Monday off around Easter. Uh, And Monday, my daughter will be back at school, my husband will be back at work, and um, my son is now pretty much home from school, but I think he's got to go back Monday to um, pick up some more stuff from his dorm. So I'm really planning on Monday, yes, will be my day in my sewing room. I'm going to go to the gym, but it will be my day in the sewing room. So that'll finally get done. Um, So, wow, I've just spent 20 minutes talking about not really getting anything done. I do, however, have a tip to share with you. 
because when I was doing my sewing today, I kept having um, an issue that I've had before. What I'm doing is I'm right now I'm in the process of making half square triangles for the pinwheels and the way I am going about making them, there's a lot of different methods for doing it, but the way I chose to do it is cut the two squares, sew them diagonally point to point, um, trim your quarter inch seam and then uh, press it open, square it up. Okay, that's my half square triangle. Well, um, I'm using the angler, which is the, the plastic thingy that you tape down to your uh sewing machine throat bed sewing bed there to help you run your um, diagonal lines without having to mark them which is very helpful I've used it before love that tool Um, somebody in one of my episodes had left a comment about a vinyl one that you don't actually have to tape down that I need to explore Um, unfortunately I don't remember which episode and which comment so I'm gonna have to do some digging to find that out but I would like to get that because keeping this thing taped down is a pain in the tuchus but it's a really helpful tool to have because usually when you do this process you have to draw your diagonal lines um, on all your things which just adds a lot of time and an extra step using the angler you don't have to do that you just line it up and zip it right through it's really helpful Um, however occasionally because I am starting the needle right at the point of that square Once in a while, a point gets eaten by the needle. Now, there's a few different tricks you can do. There's some things that can cause this. Um, And so, you know, I, but two of them were, were not the case with me. But just in case you've had this problem, the first thing is try to make sure you're using a straight stitch throat plate. Um, That's the throat plate that just has the single hole so that there's not as much room for your uh, fabric to, you know, get stuck down in there. Um, I am using my straight stitch throat plate, unfortunately, for my particular model of machine. Um, from what I can find, anyway, there isn't one that just has the single hole. They've all got a slightly wider hole, and it's because of the way that the feet and everything are designed. Um, so I'm using a straight stitch of throat plate as I can get. The other thing to watch for on this is using, make sure your needle is sharp, because a dull needle will be more likely to push the fabric rather than just, you know, plow right through it. Um, I am using a sharp needle, so that wasn't the issue with me as well. It was just a matter of the the fabric kind of getting caught on the needle and, and not feeding through correctly. So I was a bit at a loss and a little angry and a little frustrated, and yes, I did slam my hands down on my sewing cabinet a couple of times, I think, um, when this was happening. And so I finally went on the internet and Googled, you know, how do you keep your fabric from being eaten by the machine and things like that. And reading all these things, you know, straight to throat plate, yeah, sharp needle, yeah, 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 you know, yada, 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 I've read all that. Finally, one comment on one message board made a remark that I had never heard before, and I tried it, and it did actually work. And what they suggested was, as you're chain piecing, because that's how I'm doing this, you reach behind and you pull the one that you've just finished sewing. So the one that's already gotten through your um, presser foot, you pull, you hold that and keep it taut while you're feeding the next one through. And what that does is it kind of keeps your fabric of the next one that you're feeding through, it keeps it straight and it keeps it much less likely to, to dive down, <laughs> you know, do a submarine dive under your throat plate. And I will say it really, really worked. So you know, again, 90% of the time, my pieces were going through fine. I wasn't having any issues at all. But once in a while, one would kind of take the nosedive and it would get all caught up and I'd have to pull it back out and snip all the threads and start it again. When I had that happen, I would do that, you know, I would, I always do a leader and an ender. So I always start with a little piece of fabric at the start of your chain. 
because that keeps your um, threads straight. And so I'd pull the leader, and then I would actually hang on to that leader as I would feed the the fabric through, and it would go through smoothly that time. So that really made a huge difference. So I'm passing that tip on to you. Um, if you are chain piecing something that starts with a point, and your point is starting to tend to get eaten, make sure you're using a straight stitch throat plate, make sure your, sharp, your needle is sharp, and then hang on to that piece um, that you've already fed through that's gone through successfully and hold it taut as the next one goes through. Um, you will find that the bobbin thread pulls up a little bit. That's fine. It's it's not that you're pulling the fabric. You're just keeping the threads and everything kind of all in one line. And it really, it worked like a charm. Loved it. So um, now I'm going to switch over to what we learned this year. And hey, I can already add that now. I learned a new trick just today. Wasn't that exciting? Um these are not in any particular order, and again, I was not, I'm not able to share everybody's just because of time, so I'm going to um, just share a few. Uh, one, I did want to point out, um, a few people had been in the category of people who have been quilting for a long time and had just commented that they're still learning to perfect some of these skills. They're still learning to perfect their quarter-inch seam. They're still learning to um, tell the difference between a, a, a full quarter inch and a scant quarter inch and when it's better to use which one that kind of thing so there were several in that um, genre and I just wanted to let you know that especially for um, newbies for those of you who've only been quilting for a little while and you might be getting frustrated saying why am I not getting this stuff why can't I be as good a quilter as well you know what we're all learning (laughs) and I don't know if that's a hopeful thing to say you know some things just never get any better (laughs) But actually, they do. They do get better. Um, It's just always, you're always working on perfecting things. And even when you do get a skill down, it doesn't mean you can then ignore it and move on. You still have to pay attention to that skill. Every time you sit down, you still have to pay attention to what you're doing on that quarter inch seam or deciding whether you're going to use a full quarter inch or a scant quarter inch, that kind of thing. So that kind of learning just never ends. Um, Joyce had posted... And I I thought this one was very interested. Interesting. I have learned how to decide which quilts will go to the long arm quilter and which ones I will do myself. My machine quilting skills are adequate but not wonderful. I don't enjoy the process and would rather hand quilt everything, but I don't have the time to do it. I will machine quilt myself the quilts up to twin size for my grandchildren, small projects like tab, table runners and placemats. I will send out anything bigger because I get too frustrated working even with twin size. There are a couple of queen-sized block-of-the-month pro- uh, projects that I no longer am excited about working with any longer, so those will go to the Long Armor too. Any really special quilt that I absolutely love and hope will be a wonderful heirloom for my family will be hand-quilted. I used to think that with enough practice and time, I could do it all and do it all very well. Accepting that's not reality is significant for me, and I'm finally okay with that. And, and Joyce, it, you hit on so many things in this one um, comment. I think we get bound up in thinking it's not real quilting unless we do it all ourselves. And that's just a fallacy. You know, think back to the old days of the quilting bees. You used to have, Lord knows how many people's hands were on one single quilt to get it done. And people didn't think twice about it. So why is that any different now? If there are things about the process you just don't enjoy doing, why force yourself to do it to try to prove something to anybody? You know, if you really don't enjoy machine quilting large quilts because they give you a neck ache and they do (laughs) then go ahead and send it out it's just think of it as the modern day quilting bee you know rather than gathering around a frame you're saying you know i'm going to let this live in your house for a little while and i'm going to pay you to do this for me um i think that's really significant and i 
I also like, you know, how Joyce has figured out where her boundaries are going to be. You know, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm not going to do. And it's just done. That makes it easier rather than every single project agonizing over it, figuring it out. So thank you very much, Joyce, um, for that comment. Next is Jane. Um, is also learning to be more accurate in her work. And she also said, like Joyce, it's beginning to dawn on me that I might be able, I might not be able to do all my own quilting and that I probably can't do all of it as well as I would like. Where did I ever get the idea that I could? Um, and I would say, again, you know, getting better really is a matter of practice, but you also have to decide what you're going to be willing to practice on. Um, you know, for the time being, you can practice on smaller projects and keep sending the bigger ones out to, um, you know, professional long armors. And then at some point you may decide, you know, really, I am ready now to tackle a larger quilt. Or you just might decide, I just really don't enjoy doing that. And I will always be sending out the, these projects. So that's not a problem at all. Um, Jane has also said she's learned the value of instructional DVDs and has just started practicing Patsy Thompson's freeform feathers. I am in love, she says. So um, thank you, Jane. And next is Cobalt Cat, also known as Kate says, what have I learned new? Everything. I never even sewed a patch on before I started quilting. It was six months ago that I found a fabric that I fell in love with, and that led to my new quilting obsession. I have learned how to do so much. I have since quilted from blocks to binding a queen-sized quilt and have almost completed my daughter's pinwheel four-block quilt. The biggest thing that I have learned is how much I love doing this. I never thought I could do anything with fabric. I was totally intimidated by sewing, and now I feel like I am a quilter. And Kate, you are that in six months to have completed a queen size quilt and almost completed another quilt is not anything to sneeze at. That's pretty impressive. You are a quilter. I dub you so. Thank you so much, Kate. Next is Chris uh, says, what have I learned? First of all, I've learned that there are a bunch of people out there quilting. You, Lady Rags, Noni, Pam, Pat, and all the other podcasters. What a joy to listen to everyone while piecing. Um, Sandy, just from you, I've learned about color, scraps, bindings, books, magazines, websites, DVDs, just to name a few, and most recently about fabric. I followed up on a lot of your podcasts with my own research. Sometimes just hearing something I had heard about previously brings it up again and makes it fresh. So thank you. Oh, she also says... Everybody, we need to hear this. I didn't have a mother or grandmother that quilted, so all you podcasters, you are my mother. Thanks. Um, happy to oblige, Chris. It is so much fun. As I said in my very first episode, I am just passing on what my mother taught to me, so I'm glad that others are also um, now part of that heritage. Laura um, says, I learned this week how to machine applique using the starch method to prepare the pieces. Um, <laughs> my applique was not perfect, but I have no intention of ripping it out. I will just do better on my next project. That's always my theory. You know, people who do something and then completely take it apart and do it again, I have admiration for it. That's not me. I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. I want to move on. I'll do better next time. I'm, I'm very much with you on that, Laura. Um, and Laura goes on to say, I have also learned that there are quite a few 40 to 50-year-old quilters out there. They just don't live where I live, um, which is hearkening back to a conversation that I believe Francis actually started on the Off-Kilter quilt podcast and there are a bunch of us out there we're just i guess hiding in our houses or something uh christy says what have i learned i learned not to fret so much about getting my work just right i have learned to make a list of goals for my quilting i have learned that i really 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 want to go to the houston quilt show 
I have learned about documenting and labeling and that I must get better at doing this. And she says she's going to visit her grandma in a few weeks. And while she's there, she's going to grab her quilts and have her tell them, tell her about them so she can make a label for each. <laughs> and, then, and then Christy takes a poke at me. She says, most of all, I've learned to be patient while waiting for your next podcast. Taps foot. What? Still no new quilting for the rest of us. Uh, that's pretty funny, Christy. <laughs> I appreciated that one. Laughed out loud quite a bit. All right. Next uh, is Quilton Jenny. And I follow her blog. Good blog. Um, She says, what I've learned this year is that my online quilting community is just as valuable to me as my guild. Through podcasts, blogs, and Seamed Up, I have learned and laughed a lot. Let's see. And then she, I'm sorry. And then she responded to, I was making sure I hadn't missed any other things she had learned. Um, she was commenting back on a few other comments. There was some real conversation going this time, which was a lot of fun. People commenting on each other's comments. So make sure you go back into these episodes and, and read through the comments yourself. Okay, um, Steffi commented, and I'm never going to be able to pronounce this. She says, first, I want to congratulate you on your first year podcast anniversary. And then she says, I'm going to take a shot at this, Steffi. <laughs> Her Gleichschwanz. Was I even close? That's um, congratulations in German. Probably not even close. Um, Steffi, you're going to have to, I don't know, (laughs) you're going to have to give me a phonetic pronunciation or something. Um, She says, let's see, she says very nice things about me, which I appreciate. I'm just not reading them out loud. Um, What did I learn about quilting during the last year? She says, well, I discovered the quilting community in the internet. I now understand how people can spend hours on the internet on the computer in panels. I joined two German quilt forums last year, and sometimes I really have to force myself to shut down my computer and get my quilting on. Um, and she says, I also learned that I can give comfort to parents by making a prayer quilt for their newborn baby with special needs. Uh, thank you so much, Steffi. And like I just said, yeah, the computer can be a complete time drain on you and keep you from actually doing the sewing that you're reading and talking about online. Uh, Corinne Green says... In the last year, I have learned a lot. The two most important things I learned are, one, I am my own worst critic, and two, done is better than perfect. I have learned lots of new-to-me techniques, but those two are the most important, and that is very, very true. Um, I have often said out loud, well, that's it, done, better than perfect. So thank you very much for those comments. Next, Peg S., Okay, she said, in the last year, I learned about color value and about accepting that even though my quilts are not perfect and might never be, they are still a joy to make, give, and admire. And that is very, very true, Peg. Next is Paula says, one of the neatest things I've learned is that podcasts exist for quilters. I've discovered you are a wonderful companion on my commute for work. Think of the many cases of road rage you have prevented. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I also really enjoy. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> really got a kick out of that comment. Um, Cindy of Fluffy Sheep Quilting, who, by the way, I haven't checked her blog today, but I got an email that apparently I am her interview on her blog. She's interviewed a few different podcasters, and I think I'm on there this week. Um, so check out fluffysheepquilting.blogspot.com and read the other interviews as well. They were great interviews. Uh, she says... 
I have two episodes of Quilting for the Rest of Us that really stand out as particularly educational for me. The first was your podcast on labels, the importance of labeling and what to include on your label. I am trying to document my quilts using your guidelines. Second, your interview with the quilt appraiser. Goodness, there was a lot to learn there. What they view as important quality and what can be overlooked. And and I agree. I learned so much meeting with Beth, um, both appraising my own, having my own antique quilts appraised, but then also in the interview with her. Um, it's just a fascinating field, that whole quilt appraising thing, particularly historical quilts. Um, so I completely agree with that, Cindy. And I do apologize. I will be reading more blogs this weekend. Um, I just got your message after and like I said, I read a lot of blogs, but then I got caught up in Goodreads and got behind <laughs> on everything else. <sighs> I'm just going to keep teasing Jay about that because she really did waste a lot of my time on Thursday morning. Okay. <laughs> um, Landscape Lady says um, she really appreciated the podcast about fabric. Um, she didn't know all of that behind that, and she wants to now go to a quilt shop. <laughs> and finger the fabric um, so that she can justify all of her purchases of that beautiful $10 a yard fabric. Hey, if I can spend your money, (laughs) I'm more than happy to do it. Um, But then she says, the biggest thing I have learned in the last year is to not forget about myself when making projects. I have an Etsy shop and seem to spend all my time making quilts for that and for others that request things or for presents for others. I look around my house and have these old quilts on the wall that are 10 years old, no placemats, purchased handbags. What was I thinking? Take care of yourself, girlfriend. So I'm going to try to take the time to quilt for myself for a change. And you go, landscape lady. I think we all tend to do that. We keep thinking of all these things we want to make for everybody else, and we forget to make them for ourselves. So hopefully I'll start seeing some pictures from you of stuff you've done for yourself. Marianne says, What have I learned this year quilt-wise that simple quilting can be very beautiful? I machine quilted two bed-sized quilts this year. One was a flying geese pattern that I used a Hawaiian quilt applique pattern as the quilting pattern. If you didn't catch that, what she did was she used um, an applique pattern in a Hawaiian style as the quilting pattern rather than the applique. So she used the outline as the quilting pattern itself. Um, And then the other quilt was a nine patch that used mostly straight lines. While the curved Hawaiian flowers showed up beautifully on the plain blocks, the quilting was lost on all those seams in the goose blocks. I should have quilted those blocks with something simpler and easier to quilt. The nine patch had a simple diagonal grid quilted over it and looked wonderful. I had forgotten that sometimes a simple quilt design can make a simple quilt look fabulous. And that's something we can all learn from. So thank you very much for that, Marianne. And, you know, I had never thought about the idea of using a... a, Hawaiian applique pattern as a quilting pattern before and now I've got a log cabin quilt hanging on my design wall that I'm that's an, a UFO from a couple of years ago and I need to get it quilted and I'm I'm now starting to look at some of those Hawaiian quilt patterns and thinking huh maybe that would work so thank you for the idea um Mikey or Mickey I want to say Mikey because I have a niece Michael Anna who likes to go by Mikey so that's what I tend to think of um so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that Um, She says, to my great delight, I have learned that there are wonderful quilters who do podcasts. Um, That's great. And she says, I'm a relatively new quilter, so I've learned many new things this year. 
I learned how important cutting, accurate cutting and stitching is to finished product. I learned that there are more threads out there than Coates and Clark, <laughs> to which I say, amen, sister. Um, and she goes on to say, I learned how to make half square triangles and flying geese. I learned paper piecing. I learned how to design a quilt pattern on graph paper and how to make fabric from scraps. I learned how to create a convergence quilt, a D9P disappearing nine patch, I'm guessing that is, quilt. Um, curved flying geese, and so much more. And can I say, that's an awful lot to learn in a year, and I am really seriously impressed, and I'm going to be checking out your blog as well to see if you've posted pictures of all of those up there. So thank you very much for that comment. Let's see. um, Quilts for Little Angels says, she learned recently, uh, she has a fairly small um, stash of, of uh, light fabric mostly she's got darks and medium value fabrics so she learned recently that often the back side of a medium fabric will make a very nice light option i'm a fairly new quilter and this was such an aha idea for me i have a future quilt planned which plays darks and lights off each other and i will be trying this idea out so again pictures <laughs> we always demand proof of the things you are trying out bonnie says I'm reading her, starts out saying nice things about me, which I appreciate. This year, the one area I have learned most about has been the machine quilting aspect. I took a long hour class at a local quilt shop and know that I eventually will acquire one of my own. And I have a machine that I've set up specifically for free motion quilting. It still intimidates me, but I managed to let go and get out of my own way and just get it done. (laughs) And then Bonnie goes on to say, and Bonnie, this just made me laugh. She goes, one thing I must say, back in your goals episode, you said you do not aspire to be a celebrity quilter. I say you already are. (laughs) So I'm going to make my family start treating me a lot better. Um, (laughs) She said, you know, you're definitely, you may not be a mass media star or famous for your quilts, but you're definitely a voice for all of us who are striving to do the best we can at our craft and still juggle the rest of life. Um, So thank you, Bonnie, for that. Um, Like I said, my family should be treating me with a little more respect. Okay, uh next we have um Kelly Kelki. I'm just noticing it's it's spelled Kelki and I was thinking it was Kelly, I'm sorry. Um I am a new quilter and made my first quilt last year, a log cabin. I have learned the quarter inch seam matters and squaring up matters all through the process. And like I said at the outset of this, um you know, we're all still working on that one. <laughs> so so uh, definitely it does matter and it's something that um, don't get frustrated. It will come with time and then you'll just have to keep paying attention to it. Um, Jamie says, one thing she learned is how to easily make half square triangles. And she found a post on a blog, Spun Sugar Quilts, about how to do that. Um, and really enjoyed that particular uh, um, tutorial on it. So do check out Spun Sugar Quilts blog. And then she says, I wanted to say that I really appreciated what people said about spending more time. And I think she's referring back to the do-over episode. Um, I really appreciated what people said about spending more time with family, working on quilty projects and learning how to sew from relatives. I am a stay-at-home mom to three little girls. How lucky am I? And my oldest daughter, who is five years old, can operate my genome with supervision. She has made a table runner that she donated to our church auction and is working on one for Easter, complete with rickrack. We love to share a cup of tea and quilt together. It made me so happy to hear that your listeners cherish those moments with their moms and grandmoms. I hope my daughters will cherish them as well. And you know what? 
Absolutely, Jamie, they will. I just love the idea of your five-year-old with a cup of tea <laughs> at her genome. So that's wonderful. And I hope that her table runner sold well at the auction because somebody is very lucky to get that. Patty said, what have I learned that quilt podcasts exist? I listen to many knitting podcasts, but hadn't found many quilt-based ones. Thanks for getting me excited about sewing again. So many new books and tools to try. <laughs> and again, I'm always happy to spend your money. Thank you very much for that comment. Kate said, What have I learned this year? Your episode on goals, number 33, really stuck a chord with me. My workplace uses the same goal construction concepts you talked about in that episode. Specific and time-bound goals are ones I hear all the time at work. It just never dawned on me that I could apply those same principles to my quilting goals. Has it made a difference? I think so. Mainly in what I've learned, I have to pull out my goals Mainly in that I've learned I have to pull out my goals and access my progress. So when we did quarterly reviews at work, I took a hard look at what I said I wanted to accomplish this year with my quilting. I've made some adjustments, and though I'm not on target, I'm much further ahead than I have been in years past. So fantastic, Kate. I'm glad to hear that the episode spurred you on to um, paying attention to your quilty goals as as well as your work goals. Okay, and next is Kathy who is, she says, if I had a blog, I would be the old new quilter. She's 62, and she jumped into the quilting world first, feet first in November of last year. Um, and, she, and then she goes on to say, all of the things that she has now bought in the last year as she became hopelessly addicted, uh, which is very entertaining, but I won't read the whole list. Um, she says she hasn't actually made a quilt, but she's made a tote, jelly roll skirt, baby quilt from a kit, pillowcases from the granddaughter or for the granddaughters, and I'm working on a wall hanging with a lot of applique and an embroidered alphabet quilt for a granddaughter. Um, so this is all what I've learned this year. And, and holy freaking cow! <laughs> that was very impressive. Um, how far you've come in in being an old new quilter. So congratulations! And by the way, start the blog. I would read it. Um, Pam of Hip to Be a Square podcast said, this year I learned why I should label my quilts. Next year I'll work on actually labeling them. So, so Pam, yes, do label. That's my, I think that's become my rallying cry of the year. Label, label, label. Um, Rhonda says, in the past year, I've learned that circles aren't as scary as I thought. Just go slow and enjoy the process. Quilting is about learning and doing. It doesn't always have to be show quality, or in my case, rarely, but I make quilts because I enjoy the process, not because I want someone to comment on the finished product. If they don't like it, they can look away. And I agree, Rhonda. Thank you very much for that comment. Jill says, I learned that I need to take more time to measure twice and hopefully cut once. I also learned and this is why I wanted to read this one specifically, there is never such a thing as too much fabric. Woohoo! <laughs> Let's give a shout out to Jill for all of us, uh, you know, on all of our behalf. Um, definitely, there's never a thing, such a thing as too much fabric. Gretchen says, I have learned that I have better results hand piecing than machine piecing. Everything just lines up better. I have also learned that as comfortable as I am with technology, I get tense using my machine and handwork relaxes me. And finally, she says, I learned that I don't fit into any label such as beginner, intermediate, or advanced, because if I want to make a quilt, I'm going to make it, no matter how hard it is. And that's great. I think sometimes we can let those labels kind of scare us off a little bit and 
I haven't ever addressed this whole controversy um, in a podcast. Maybe I will at some point, but the whole um, piece about the dumbing down of quilting that you've heard a lot of people talking about, that was actually part of it, is is what was getting labeled as um, a more advanced technique that people were taking issue with whether or not that was actually an advanced technique. And I think sometimes I know when I look at patterns, if I see the word advanced, there's part of me that automatically thinks, oh, no, I can't do that. But then when I actually look at the the quilt and look at the components of it, I think, well, you know, it's really only advanced because there's a heck of a lot of parts. But other than that, you know, nothing's really that difficult to do. So I, I very much resonate with the fact that maybe we should stop labeling ourselves so much as beginner, intermediate, and advanced and think more in terms of techniques and, and you know, breaking things down into their component parts. There are certain quilts that I would never want to you know, I would probably not suggest a beginner quilter necessarily try, but if they wanted to try it, I also wouldn't say, oh, no, you can't do it. You know, um, I think that's that's probably a whole other podcast episode, and I'm already getting it 48 minutes, so I probably shouldn't go off on that now. All right, Susan said, I'm always trying to learn ways to improve in quilting, and she specifically mentions um, Harriet Hargrave's books, The Quilter's Academy, Volume 1 and 2, and she says in my last quilt, I used the window painting technique described on page 42 of Volume 2. And um, that was actually one of the books that Jay made me spend my money on. (laughs) She had done a really excellent review of the first book, Quilter's Academy, Volume 1, and I had been debating for a long time getting it, and after reading her review, I finally decided, okay, I'll order it. But since I'm already kind of beyond what that's aimed at, I thought, well, I don't want to just get Volume 1 and maybe find one or two things in it. I kind of want to look at the whole set and, and look at how could I fill in the gaps of things, you know, I've been quilting for 15 years, there's certain things I've just never done, which really, by any rights, I probably should have done by now. So um, I actually ordered volumes one, two, and three, and I just got them yesterday. So I'm starting to kind of look through them now, and deciding how I'm actually going to work through them, um, given that I already know, you know, quite a bit of what volume one anyway has although i will say immediately you know one of the very first things she's using a completely different technique for doing it than what i ever knew to do so um anyway i'll do a review on those in a later episode um but i did want to to say that yeah susan you know is pointing out that even as somebody who's been quilting for a while you can still pick up tips from um other things and other people okay our last one (laughs) i'm sorry I was unaware of where I was in my process. Our last one that I'm going to share is from Mama on the Run. What have I learned this year that there is so much going on in the quilting world that I can't just sit back and do what's comfortable anymore? Art quilts, found objects to put on quilts, traditional quote-unquote perfect quilts. I can do them all and I want to do them all. Thanks for the confidence boost. And then she goes on to say that she wants to try wool felting because that was after I did that episode. And, you know, it's good to actually kind of close with that thought because there is so much going on in the quilting world. And I realize that's one of the reasons why this particular craft grabbed me um, when other ones didn't. And if I believe I actually addressed this in my interview for the Fluffy Sheep Quilting blog, although I'll have to go back and read that one again. Um, I had actually messed with a whole lot of different types of, you know, crafts and hobbies and things through the years, and none of them grabbed me. You know, I'd kind of learned how to do so much, and then it was kind of like, okay, well, what's next? You know, I've done it, and didn't really feel like there was more really to be learned And until I started quilting. And there is just always something new you can learn. There's either you can learn certain skills better, or you can learn completely different techniques, or you can dabble in completely different styles. And I think what art quilting has done 
is it has also opened up the world to all the different kinds of things you can do in terms of embellishments and painting on fabric and creating your own fabric. You know, again, it just it's blown the doors off what's possible. Even if you're not an art quilter, it's still worth learning some of those techniques because you never know how you might end up being able to apply them to more traditional quilting techniques. And it's just, I I get passionate about this because it is so much fun. There is always something new to learn. I think that's why those of us who are bookophiles have so many books on our shelves. Um, You know, my quilt library, I keep saying I'm downsizing it, but then I keep buying more books to replace the ones I've already given away. So, you know, it just, there's always something new to do. And I think when when I'm thinking about what I have learned um, in this past year, There may be some techniques and things in there that I've tried that I had never done before, but I think for me, overall, what I've learned the most is not to let fear stop me. I had so many UFOs sitting on my shelf because I was afraid I was going to mess them up with my subpar machine quilting skills, and I finally decided an imperfect finished quilt was better than a UFO sitting on my shelf, and so I just started tackling things. And yeah, I made some mistakes along the way, but what I realized is, you know, for the most part, nobody else knows I made those mistakes, you know, Again, I don't hang them in shows, so I'm not, I know judges would find those mistakes and people looking at the quilts in the shows would find those mistakes. But me and my family, the people I've given them to, they're not seeing the mistakes. So who cares? You know, move on. And that for me has been a big deal is just getting over that fear and being willing to say, okay, I want to try a new technique. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go ahead and dive right in anyway. Uh, So that for me has been the biggest issue is just learning to let go of that fear and say, I just want to have fun. Who cares how it turns out? And ultimately, it usually turns out better than I thought it was going to anyway. So that's the episode in which we learned something. And I'm sorry again that I couldn't read everybody's, but as you can tell, I only read about half of them. And I'm already at 53 minutes. Um, just a couple of reminders. Uh, remember, the we do still have one giveaway going on, the felted wool giveaway uh, of some felted wool from Aaron Risberger's Quilting Acres Etsy shop. And the deadline for that, I believe, is April 30th. I did not go back <laughs> and double check my notes, but that sticks in my mind. So um, just leave a comment about why you want some felted wool. That's all I need to know. And I will draw the name for that. Um, And that's a nice stack of felted wool pieces. I think you'll enjoy getting those. And, of course, the Stash Mystery Challenge for this quarter is going on, something um, inspired by children's artwork. And if you want more information about that, just go check out the uh, show notes. And there's a whole tab at the top labeled the Stash Challenge, and you'll find more information about that. And the deadline for that is June 20th. So those are my two reminders for you. As always, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us uh, Kiva team or the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup of the Quiltcast supergroup in Big Tent. We do have a Facebook page for the podcast. And also you can read my blog, follow me on Twitter, or email me. Um, And I will also put in a plug for going on to Goodreads, signing up an account. My name is Sandy Quilts there too. Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And you'll find Jay there as well. And she does do the best darn book reviews. Love them. Um, and all of that, you can find links for everything except Goodreads at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Um, next week, I should be able to post on schedule. I'm uh, Maybe. I'm out of town for a couple of days, but I'm not sure exactly how long that'll be yet. So hopefully, I will be able to post on schedule next week. Um, other than that, I do hope to get some sewing in, and I hope you will too. So have a nice rest of the uh, weekend if you listen to this as soon as I post it. Otherwise, hope you had a good weekend, and until the next time, go get your quilty on. 
Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.